Can you guys hear me? There we go. Amen. Well, good morning, church, and happy Mother's Day, indeed. I'm so glad that y'all have decided to come and worship together this morning. If you're online, special welcome to y'all as well. Howdy, I'm glad you guys are online. Go ahead and type in the comments section the favorite thing you love about your mom, uh, and and that'll be good. Um, Hey, uh, Mother's Day is extra special for my family. As you just saw, Becca is thriving and loving every minute of motherhood, and it was pretty special to get to dedicate our little girl uh, this morning. For many of us on Mother's Day, it's a day of celebration and joy as we get to, to spoil our mamas and, and, and show them how much they mean to us. Uh, Mother's Day has not always been easy for me, though. In fact, for, for a good portion of my life, Mother's Day has had a bit of a scar on it. Uh, I lost my mom when I was nine. If I had to guess, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who has some painful memories that are associated with this day. And I'm not going to go into every reason as to why this day could be difficult. But if we could, I'd like to lead us in another time of prayer uh, before we get into the rest of the sermon. Would you join me in bowing your heads? Father, there's no doubt that today is a joyous day for many women and families in our midst, both currently and in expectation And today, Father, we rejoice with those women who are rejoicing at your gracious gift. And at the same time, Jesus, there are women and families in our midst who have reason to mourn. And God, today we mourn with them. Whether it be unmet expectations or timelines, loss of either children or our own mothers, frustrations with foster care or adoption, Father, we mourn with them and we stand by them and ask for your comfort to be with them with those who have stood tall during the tests of motherhood and have endured so many tests and trials. Father, we are grateful that you have placed them in our midst. We're better for it. For those mamas who, are, who struggle to even get here amidst the outfit changes and the diapers and the fussiness, Father, thank you for putting them in our church family and for giving them the grace to be here today. For those who have painful memories of mom, we acknowledge those experiences and we ask for your healing hand to be with them today. God, in all these things, we give you the glory. Amen. Moms, can I address you? There's no doubt in my mind that y'all have so many different roles in your life. I mean, you, you nurture your kids. You take care of a household. You get kiddos to sports practices and, and recitals and, and theater auditions. Um, you read with them. You pray with them. And many of y'all work full or part-time jobs in addition to all these different things. Looking at my list, is that it? (laughs) I know that's not it. That doesn't even scratch the surface of all the things that moms do. And so real quick, I just want to say thank you to every single mom, whether online or here. Thank you so much. God has uniquely gifted you and prepared you for, for the role that you have. And I'm so grateful that you have taken up that challenge and taken up uh, uh, the, the task of, of being a mom to your family. So thank you. Thank you so much. Matt just talked about what it means to dedicate children to the Lord. And this morning, I simply want to dive a little bit deeper into what that means. Um, I'm not going to give you the five steps of what it means to be a good parent. Uh, or, and I'm not going to give you like the advice of, okay, my kid, my kid did this. Phil, what do I do? Heaven knows. I don't have the experience or the authority to give that kind of advice. You guys can probably amen that. Um, but, but moms and someone just amen. Good job. <laughs> Moms and and dads and and grandparents and really church as a whole, this is all addressed to you. 
The question I want to ask today is what is the most important role that we can have in, in our own kids' lives and in other people's kids' lives? Perhaps this picture can give us a hint. If you can't read it, it says there's 0.0296% chance that your child will become a professional athlete. There's 0.0086% chance that your child will become a famous celebrity. And there's 100% certainty that your child will stand before Jesus. What are you teaching your children? Dustin Binge, the author of this statistic, is a seminary professor in Wales. And this picture rocked me to my core a few years ago when I saw it. And now as a parent of like two and a half weeks, I have to look at this picture with a holy pause. There are a slew of responsibilities that we have. And yet when it comes to priority, both scripture and this tweet, I think, give a pretty uh, clear picture and a pretty different picture of what our responsibility is as parents, guardians, and as the church as a whole. Church, above success, above success in school, above seeing your kid or grandkids succeed in sports or in theater or in their musical talent, above even making sure that your kid is a good person, above seeing them succeed in sports, I want to challenge us as parents and as the church with this. Teach your kids, and by kids I mean your grandkids, yous, etc., to treasure the Lord and to keep all of his commands. That's where we're going today. This is the greatest role you can have as a parent. We, we, we see this played out in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Read along with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. And here's where this challenge comes in. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. A.K.A. make it a lifestyle, not just a moment. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your gates, of your houses and on your gates. Did you catch the word love in there? The, the word love that we see here is pronounced ahava. Everyone say that with me, ahava. You just spoke Hebrew, congratulations. Hebrew is the original language that this, that this uh, portion of scripture is written in. And this word ahava, it's a broad term. It's not a static or verbal only kind of love. This is a love that's action oriented, not just a sentiment. It, it's... it's kind of talking about an affection for or a commitment to the Lord. And oftentimes we hear this word love, and what comes to mind is this screwed up, Americanized cultural version of the word. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what love means when we're, when we're talking about it here in this passage. Love is not merely this feeling, although there is feeling involved in love, but it goes beyond that and into the everyday actions of a person. It's a renewed and born-again lifestyle that comes directly from God. This, this is the lifestyle of a, of a person who has been transformed by Jesus. When I hear ahava, I think of a husband and a wife. I think of a spousal relationship. It'd be kind of dumb to say to your spouse or significant other, I love you, and then leave it at that, wouldn't it? That's a great way to sleep on the couch. Maybe. I don't know how your dynamic works. Um, but if there's no actions, if there's no commitment, if there's no feeling of being treasured to back up those words, the phrase doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? It's, it's rather meaningless. This word love, it's, it's also found in our passages for this morning in John 14, verses 15, 21, 23, and then again in 1 John 5, 3. It's in those instances 
on top of several other passages within the book of John and 1 John, where as we look at how John is using this word love, we see he's using it in a way that means to desire, to enjoy, to be pleased with, to treasure. In fact, let's go ahead and look at those, those, different, uh, those different passages. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. John 14, 21a, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. John 14, 23a, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments, check this out, a little caveat, are not burdensome. Did you see the pattern? If we love or treasure God, obedience to commandments is the natural outcome. The two are inseparable. They, they can't be distinct. There's a reason why I gave the main idea of the sermon the way that I did. And oftentimes, I, I, I wonder if we try to push obedience before delight in Jesus. Of course, there are moments in our lives when, when obedience is not the most enjoyable thing, perhaps. Perhaps we're, we're under persecution or we're suffering for our faith. And, and then in those moments, obedience is not fun. It's not enjoyable. However, if we are pushing obedience to the Lord's commandments on one who does not yet love Jesus, I wonder, haven't we got things a little mixed up? Obedience is all the more often in Scripture viewed as a result of love. Ahava. Agape. It cannot be the end-all thing because teaching morals for morals' sake is not what I see in Scripture. Simply teaching moralism is not the gospel. But a question I was faced with as I was looking at these passages and as a youth pastor and as a new father is, am I teaching kids that Jesus is delightful? Am I teaching them that he's more delightful and pleasurable than sports or theater or school or success or a good job? Or even at the very least, am I teaching them that because he is our highest pleasure, that he is a key and primary place in everything we do and in every activity we partake in? Does my life, both in word and example, tell this message? Can I be a little bold? Can I ask you that question? Do your lives, both in teaching and in example, tell your kids, your grandkids, other people's kids, etc., that Jesus is the most wonderful thing and wonderful and satisfying treasure that could ever happen to them? Is anything right now being exemplified as more important or more valuable than Jesus, or at the very least, is, is he being talked about in a way that says that he has a very key and primary place, primary place in their activities? This is why, as I was looking through these passages, I believe Jesus and John have these things in the order that they do. Jesus then says, hey, you want to know if, if you love me? You want to know if you treasure and delight in me? Here's how you'll know. You'll be keeping my commandments. And this leads us to the second part of our main idea. And the challenge that I want to give us from Scripture is this. To teach our kids to obey all, I should have underlined it, of the Lord's commands. If you and I get the first part right, the second part comes a whole lot more naturally. And honestly, this second part is pretty self-explanatory. I'm not even sure I have to go, go and explain this. But I would like to clarify a few things. 
One, this idea of teaching the Lord's commandments is something we see in Matthew 28, 20, where Jesus is giving his disciples the final charge. Hey, go make disciples. How are we going to do that? We're well, going to baptize them. You're going to do a bunch of things. And also, you're going to teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And so when we do this, we're making disciples. But we also saw this in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, where Moses was charging the Israelites to make teaching the Lord's commandments a lifestyle as they went about their business and day. It was a moment-to-moment kind of thing. That's the first thing, as we see this in Scripture as being something that parents in the church's whole is being charged to do. But second, we can't choose which commandments we follow or don't. I haven't found in Scripture where either the apostles or the, apostles or the disciples are encouraged uh, themselves are encouraging other Christians to live in obedience in some areas of life, but not in others. I haven't found what I call a pocket Christianity, and here's what I mean by that. Oftentimes, we look at the obvious things like reading our Bible and praying and going to church as things Christians ought to do. We can amen that. There's, that's a no-brainer. We agree that being kind and benevolent and taking care of the, of the poor and the orphan or the widow is good and holy. Again, amen. I have zero, zero qualms with that. However, when it comes to making disciples, which is a life-on-life process that takes time and work, or refraining from bitterness, anger, or gossip, or living above reproach, or walking our lives by the guidance of the Holy Spirit and not our own will, or not associating with darkness, or learning to not live in lust, to love our enemies and to honor our parents, to be servants, to not live in a state of fear or worry, at times we can pocket these and either ignore them or convince ourselves that one day down the road we'll get onto that. I don't bring these things up to bring shame. That's not my goal. It's not my goal at all. My goal, though, is simply to clarify that what we read in the Gospels that Jesus asks his followers is not always the most cozy to look at and or follow. If we are to follow Christ and to teach our kids to do the same, you and I must choose consistency both in teaching and in practice. I'm not sure if you caught it or not, but, but John puts these commands and challenges in the order that he does with the clarifier. Did you catch it in 1 John 5, 3? He clarifies the commandments aren't burdensome. That struck me the first time I read that. I read that and I was like, wait a second. Yeah, they are. I don't want to do the diff- sometimes the different things that Jesus wants me to do. Anybody else been there? But here's why. If we love Jesus and our lives have been transformed by him, Living the way he has asked us to should be an incredibly freeing experience because we're living how God created us to live, which is in obedience and trust with his will and plan instead of ours. Obedience to Christ's commands gets burdensome when our personal will becomes the goal. Obedience to Christ's commands gets burdensome when our personal will becomes the goal. The goal. You might be thinking to yourself, Phil, this sounds great and wonderful. Matt talked about it. You're talking about it. Cool. Can we go to lunch? No. Can I suggest a couple things? Like, what, where do we go from here? What do we do with this? Here's a couple suggestions. Number one is something that you guys actually already did. Matt walked us through it. But here's the challenge. Choose it daily. When it comes to teaching your kids to treasure Jesus and to follow his commands, all of them, choose it daily. 
Commit to teaching your kids and others to love and treasure the Lord and to live in obedience to all of his commands. My prayer for us as a church is that this is not a one-time thing that we did on Sunday, May 9th. But this is a continual choice we make day by day. Choose it daily. But then number two, it's a little more challenging because now now it becomes personal. I'm not used to that right there. Lead by example. If the goal is to teach others to love the Lord, it is accomplished if we ourselves are committed to what we're teaching. Hypocrisy has never done the church any good. So first, we must commit ourselves to making Jesus our highest treasure and desire and living out all, underline all, of his commandments, not just the ones that don't cost too much. Again, you might be thinking, dude, Phil, you've been a little intense this morning, homie. Like, I don't know if this is all too doable, you know? Can I invite you to dream with me for a second then? If that's you, would you dream with me? What might happen if moms and dads and grandparents and church, we took this primary role to heart? I believe a couple things might happen. I believe we would see the spiritual growth of this church explode if we take this challenge to heart. I believe the spiritual temperature of Shawnee and Lenexa and Bonner Springs, etc., fill in your community, could be transformed because we have committed ourselves to young people loving Jesus and to following his commands with everything they've got. I believe your neighbors who want nothing to do with Jesus right now might see your family and wonder, what's going on with them? I want what they have. I believe your coworkers will ask questions about why y'all are so radical for Jesus and want to be part of the family as well. I believe the children of this church can and will be the leaders of the church to come and of the present church who will do incredible things for the kingdom of God that you and I can't even think or imagine right now. And I believe all of this is possible if we commit ourselves to teaching our kids to treasure Jesus and to follow all of his commandments. Amen? My ask is that you believe with me. I'm going to ask the in just a second, the band's going to come on out, and we're going to move into a time of communion and worship. And so if you have, if you have the little, uh, they call it grape juice, we'll call it that too, uh, and the styrofoam wafer, go ahead and start peeling those things back. We're going to take communion together. But as we move into this time of communion, I want to challenge you with a couple of things. If this is a challenge where you've been, you've been listening to the sermon, you've been like, Phil, you know, that's, that's, that's great. I, I'm not sure I've ever taken that seriously. Today's the day. Spend some time with Jesus. Spend some time in prayer asking him, God, how, how do I do this in my family? How can I make this happen in my life right now? Perhaps this is a challenge you've already committed yourself to. My challenge for you is begin praying for the other people in the room and the other people in our church who are going to be taking up this challenge to raise their families to desire the Lord and to follow him with everything they've got. I'm going to pray and then I'll let you guys have your time of communion. Father God, thank you so much uh, for your word. Thank you that it challenges us and that it pushes us to live more in line with how you would have us live. God, this, <laughs> this challenge to desire you with everything we've got and to follow your commands is, is not necessarily easy. In fact, sometimes it's difficult. But I know that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So God, I ask that as we imperfectly strive for this, that you would meet us there and you would help us to raise our families in your ways. In Christ's name, amen.
just uh, lift you up this morning. 
thankful that uh, we had an opportunity just to dedicate these 